Hello and welcome back to Pictorial on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose. I'm someone who did not go to art school, but I love art and I especially love projects that make art more accessible to all people. And I'm Betty. I'm also someone who did not go to art school, but I am someone who has been working as a gallery guide at a uh, art gallery for the past eight years. And I also like the idea of um, being able to make art, even if you are technically not a professional person. And that may relate to what we talk about today. So today we are talking about the fabulous new book, uh, You Are an Artist, which is full of art assignments for all people. And we are joined by a very special guest, the author of this book, Sarah Yuris Green. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is the first time that we have a guest on our podcast. So it's quite exciting. Wow. What an honor. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for bringing me in, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So yeah, just kind of a quick introduction on Sarah for any of you who do not know who she is. Uh, So Sarah, she, uh, she's a curator. uh, She's an art um, educator. And she um, is probably most well known for being the creator of the Art Assignment YouTube channels. That's a uh, PBS digital studio series that explores art history, um, as well as uh, formerly (laughs) a channel that that gave uh, art assignments to its viewers to complete. Uh, so Sarah, she's, uh, she's also a former curator of contemporary art at the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Um, and we are very excited for uh, her to join us and to talk about uh, her book. Yeah, well, we wanted to start like way back at the beginning um, for anyone who maybe hasn't seen the Art Assignment YouTube channel before. How did this project first start? So the project first started when I was still working as a curator at the Indianapolis Museum of Art, and I just kept having this nagging feeling that I wasn't doing enough to reach the people I wanted to reach, that by the time people got to the actual art museum, you know, a lot of times they they just weren't in the right mindset to have a positive experience there. Um, Or I felt like they were the people who were already converted. (laughs) They were already, Mm. they already sort of they bought it before they got in there. Um, And, and uh, so I started to think about ways that I might talk to people about art outside of the gallery more and more. And so I I heard that PBS was starting um, this new digital network and was uh, open to proposals for new web series, uh, educational web series. So I kind of cooked up this idea um, for the channel, The Art Assignment, which would be me traveling around um, and asking artists to come up with an assignment that really Relates to their way of working that would be presented in the form of a video, and then each video would be an open call for other people to respond. Um, so we started the series in 2014. And so over the next three years, we released 60 assignments um, and were overjoyed to see that people did respond. um, And there were thousands of artworks made in response to those original assignments. Uh, But the but the goal of the series um, is many fold. Um, The goal is to show people the the wide range of ways that art is being made today number 1 um the an, another goal was to relate 
back to art history to show the things that people had done in the past that relate to the things that are happening now. Um, and like primarily to allow people to try on different ways of working for a while. Um, you know, it's not my thought or the thought of any of the artists who came up with the assignments that you would then, you know, do exactly what this assignment is as your artwork for the rest of time. It's a way to sort of experiment and learn about a new technique or approach or um, conceptual framework and then to, to go about your life and to have understood the way that this artist makes work and to hopefully figure out a way that you want to continue making work. So that's actually a pretty good segue into our next question because, um, uh, yeah, you had mentioned talking about what people did in history and how it relates to the present. And, uh, of course, uh, in the book, as well as in your assignments, uh, you often reference uh, precedents. And uh, even actually, even for the book, uh, in your introduction, you had referenced uh, Yoko Ono's 1964 book, Grapefruit, which is a precedent for giving art assignments itself. Um, so I think our question in general is, um, like, why do you think it's important to study these artistic precedents? Well, I mean, I, I find history, and of course, in particular, art history to be an extremely uh, rewarding way to learn about the past and the world. And in a basic way, you get to enter the mindset of somebody who lived before you, who um, who sort of in, encapsulated the way that they approached life through their art. So in a very basic way, like I think it's I think it's an incredibly rewarding activity to look at history through the objects um, that artists made and to see see history that way as opposed to just sort of written accounts in books. Um, but in a in like a specific sense, um, I like in the context of the social internet and seeing like this explosion of images everywhere. And, you know, most of the time they're not credited. Nobody's saying like, oh, this image originally came from that. And then I digitally collaged it into this. And then I joined it with this meme. And I, you know, like all of that history was invisible to a large extent. Um, so I wanted to sort of look at these things that were happening and say, hey, this artist in the 1960s did something similar, or this um, Renaissance um, manuscript maker did something analogous um, at this time. So as a way to kind of like contextualize uh, our output today, you know, we tend, I think, often to think about art history as something cold and dead. Uh, but for me, it's alive and you can see its traces um, everywhere. I was just going to say that, you know, like as people currently running an art history podcast, that definitely speaks to us. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I, I especially like that point of like, um, in this age of the social internet and how we often lose the context for these kinds of things, providing that context. And I was also wondering, like, how did you decide what examples would be paired with which assignments? It feels like there's such a rich variety of these different things. And sometimes they are like very straightforward relations to the assignments. Sometimes um, they're things that I wouldn't have thought of, but they still... Um, but they still like very naturally uh, connect to the idea that's expressed um, in that assignment. So how did you find those and pick them? 
it was a bit, sometimes they were just things that happened to float into my mind and other times it was harder, (laughs) harder to land on something. I mean, I, um, I would often sort of flip through my art history books. Um, and I also had, um, a sort of, uh, what did I call it? I called it like the art assignment brain trust. And it was basically a list of old friends from graduate school, teachers I knew, um, art historians I knew, artists who I would, um, every once in a while send out an email and say like, here are three upcoming assignments. Help. I can't think of an art <laughs> historical precedent. Um, and, uh, so every once in a while I do that when I get stuck. Uh, but it's amazing. You know, I think, um, in a lot of ways, like once the assignment was devised, I could then think about it for a while and consider different different ways to relate it back to art history. Um, and with the input of others, I would sort of dig up dig up different ways to contextualize it. Well, I was also wondering, kind of in the same vein, is how was the order of assignments in the book decided, and does the order have any significance? Yeah, I um, experimented with a few ways of organizing the book. Um, In the very back of the book, there are these lists of different categories um, and a way to sort of sort the assignments into categories that say like photography-based assignments or out in the world or uh, inside your studio or with kids or could be done with painting or could be a writing exercise. Uh, And I, I... thought about ways to structure it that way, um, because in many senses, that's a little more intuitive. But a lot of the assignments overlap, like something is both a right can be both a writing exercise and a photography exercise, depending on how you execute it. So I just, um, I base I, I actually, um, you know, printed out uh, the title of each chapter and cut it out into a little card and sort of arranged them all and sort of created what made sense in my head as a kind of progression. Um, I wanted to make sure that we started with a grounding exercise and what could be more grounding than making a rubbing. Um, so that's why it starts with surface test. Um, I, I knew I wanted to end with Lonnie Holly's shadow portrait, uh, because it was an artist that I had referenced in the introduction. Um, and then it's one, it was one of the newly commissioned assignments. And for me, it made sense to, to bookend that with the introduction to the book. I knew I wanted to have the meat in the middle exercise in the middle, which is kind of silly, <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of liked that as a, as a signpost in the middle. Um, and then I, I, I just sort of moved them around and put them in an order that I liked. Um, but, uh, but I'm curious how that, how that structure either makes sense or doesn't for the reader. Uh, yeah, I actually, I was just, I was going to say, I, I really liked uh, you, how you have at the end of the book, like the categories uh, of each assignments, you know, like out in the world or with a friend. And I think it's especially uh, relevant <laughs> right now in the quarantine time, because there's certain categories that you cannot do and certain categories that are more easily a- achievable. So that's actually a 
you know, brilliant move on your part. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I guess in terms of the sequence, you know, what? like I kind of the, the way I read this book, because, um, you know, I some of the assignments I'm super familiar with, and some of them are obviously new, I actually jumped back and forth, like I read your introduction, but then I kind of went to some assignments and read about them first and then jumped to others. So I feel like it's one of these books where you just you can just like pick up and open to a random page. Like actually, I think it would be great if you're like today, I want to do an assignment. I'm just going to pick a random one by opening to page like 58 and then I'll do whatever it says on there. So yeah, like I see it as not really like a uh, cover to cover type of book. Yeah, and that's exactly how I intended it to be. Like I, I will, I, I would be surprised if anybody like sat down and read it, <laughs> you know, from from beginning to end. If they did, that's great. But like I see it as a book you kind of dip in and out of. Um, you scan, you look at images, you read one assignment, you sort of flip through and choose another. Um, and uh, and so that I'm I'm glad that it came across that way too. Well, we were wondering, like, how much work did you do to, uh, like, kind of deconstruct the assignments down to something that basically anyone can do, uh, which, uh, like, we feel like essentially, yeah, all the assignments are that way. So yeah, what does the process of um, that look like for you to distill these assignments, you know, if any? You know, when they're devised by the artists, like I, I approach artists and ask them um, if they would be up for coming up with an assignment that relates to their practice. And sometimes they say, yes, great. And then they c- come back to me with a fully formed assignment. Um, and other times uh, that, you know, it's more of a collaboration where we talk through different ideas and work it through together. But I, I say from the start that it's my um, hope that this this the assignment could be accomplished by anyone um, who who need not have particular skills <laughs> and who need not have expensive or highly specific materials. Like it could be something that could be done by some someone at home. Um, so from the start of each assignment that it, it is designed with those ideas in mind. And then, you know, thinking through the way that they're presented in the book, um, you know, the, the videos, so 40 of the assignments in the book um, are also or started out their lives as art assignment videos. And then there are 13 new ones. Um, and it was an interesting process to write the book because I had sort of had it in the back of my mind that the art, that the art assignments that already existed as videos were sort of done, you know, like there it is. I'll kind of rework the scripts a little bit and reorganize it. But, um, but it shouldn't be that hard. But it was actually like, it, it was it was just as hard um, in many ways as writing the brand new chapters because it's a completely different thing to write a to write a book to be read than it is to write a script to be a YouTube video accompanied by visuals. You know, the videos were sort of the 
the launching point for these assignments in many ways. And I learned so much from other people doing the assignments and from me doing the assignments that it was really rewarding to be able to come back to revisit these assignments in the context of this book. And, you know, there there's a tips, cheats and variation section for each assignment chapter. And um, and that was really, really fun to make because I could draw on all of the things that people had done in response to the assignments. Um, So, you know, I also just tried to think very practically when presenting each of these assignments, like, what if I don't have A, B, or C? How could you work around it? I think we all tend to make, including myself, excuses for why they can't <laughs> do something. You know, like, I, it's like I can't make a recipe because I don't have um, cilantro or whatever. You know, like, what, what can you do? There's clearly a workaround. You know, you can, you can always um, do that. So I, I try to help people by saying, like, okay, um, you know, I, it, maybe you can't do this because of A, why don't you try it this other way? I liked especially, I could tell reading through the book, even though there was a section that you specifically put that's uh, more kid-friendly projects, I felt like almost every project in this book could be very easily done with kids um, if they had a parent or like older sibling guiding them through it. And I really like noticing that aspect of it as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, people, people ask me like, oh, is this, who is this book for? Like what age group? And I'm like, everybody. (laughs) I mean, um, it's, it's definitely designed for sort of teen and up in terms of like, the way that it's written and the amount of text. Um, uh, But, but it's definitely I, I, I hope that people do it, you know, not just with their kids, but with their, maybe with their older family members, that this is something that you can talk about together, and do as as a group activity or um, a community exercise, um, whether or not you've uh, been to art school or have experience <laughs> um, making things. Yeah. And also speaking of the sort of examples of responses that people have had to art assignments over the years, some of which are included in the book. Are there any particularly memorable responses that jump out to you or that you know that you'll always remember? Yeah, um, the the response, um, it's actually a very small picture um, that's in the book um, to the assignment by David Brooks, Never Seen, Never Will. Um, and the assignment is to articulate something that you've never seen in your life and probably never will. Um, and this person made a drawing of their father, whom they'd never met or seen a photo of, and just created this um, this picture uh, by thinking about what they look like and what their what their mom looks like, uh, and sort of going from there. And it was something that somebody posted to Tumblr, and I tried really hard to contact that person, <laughs> um, and couldn't couldn't ever locate them. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the assignment responses um, to the early assignments were posted and shared on Tumblr. And since Tumblr is no longer uh, the (laughs) place where a lot of people post things, it can be hard to reach people. But yeah, I mean, there are so many wonderful responses. And um, originally, I had pictured um, having many more um, assignment responses in the book. Um, and But in talking with my editor, we really didn't want it to be 
overwhelmed with images. Like if you flip through the book, you can see that there's quite a bit of white space uh, and that's intentional. Um, I really wanted to sort of give enough information um, but not too much. You know, if, if I showed you an assignment and you can still go online and find other, a lot of other responses to some of these assignments. Um, but sometimes you just want a couple reference images <laughs> instead of being overwhelmed by a whole lot of uh, ways that other people have interpreted it. So has doing the art assignment channel and obviously now writing this book, um, do you think it's changed your uh, personal view of either artists or art history or the art world in general in any way? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, when I started the channel um, in, you know, I I left my museum post and I would say that, you know, in the early days of the art assignment, I um, I didn't want to sort of answer a lot of questions that I think people have about art in the wider community um, that I, I sort of in my head, I was like, OK, let's get to the more interesting, nuanced questions like I don't want to answer. I don't want to talk about, um, you know, I could do that. Uh, that that response, like I don't want to talk about why is this art, um, and then I realized over the course of making these videos that that is that is an important question, <laughs> and it's hard to answer, um, maybe even impossible, uh, but it's worth trying and it's worth having those discussions. Um, and I think it, by doing these assignments, it's a way of of thinking about it. You know, a lot of these assignments you could do without considering them to be art. I mean, the first assignment we put out in the video series, Meet in the Middle, to meet a friend um, at the exact geographic midpoint between the where the two of you live, um, you can do that and not think of it as art. And that's fine. Um, but if you're open to it, you can think about the ways that it could be art and the ways that other people in the past have done things that relate to it. Um, and I think I think that can make it be a more meaningful experience. I will, I have to say, I'm definitely doing that someday because I have a lot of friends who live in different cities and I can't wait to figure out what the exact midpoint is between us. <laughs> Quinn, let's, let's meet in the middle of, I don't know, probably Lake Huron or something. Yeah. Middle of the Great Lakes for us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to see it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into a couple of these assignments themselves. Um, So one that really spoke to me while I was reading was the drawing what you know rather than what you see. This was based on the work of Kim Dingle, um, who had a pretty successful series of artworks of these like little girls. Um, and then one day she said that she could draw them blindfolded. And so she did. Uh, And she was like, that seems like a source of inspiration actually so she drew them uh she painted them blindfolded and ended up with these series of these kind of sometimes they were somewhat grotesque sometimes they were really beautiful like interesting blindfolded drawings of these artworks that she knew really well and so the assignment here was to uh blindfold yourself um and to draw your home uh is what is in the book and then trying to and then taking the blindfold off and drawing it again um, I did this assignment with 
I chose to draw my tattoo that I have on my leg. And it was a lot of fun because I look at, I see this tattoo every single day uh, since I got it about a year ago. It's one of the things I see the most um, since it's on my body. And I still ended up with just like these wildly abstract interpretations of what a flower could be. <laughs> I love it. It was, it was a lot of fun. What did you choose to draw when you did this assignment? Well, when we were talking about this assignment, um, I, I mean, I, I've only done this assignment with my home um, because it, it was sort of like we were testing it and seeing what would work because, you know, she she draws, uh, she, the, it was inspired, as you said, by this series of uh, paintings she makes of little girls. And the goal was to, to have people pick something that was very close to them or that they see every day or pass every day but might not pay attention to the details of. So I did I did try my house. Um, we liked choosing the sort of word home because it could be interpreted so widely. Um, and I love that you did your tattoo because like that's that's such a part of you um, but that you but that you may not like sort of observe on a close basis every day. Um, I, you know, I, um, I loved this one. And there's a reason why it's near the beginning of the book, because again, um, like, I think that there are certain exercises that are helpful to do to kind of get over um, any self-consciousness you might have about making art. I mean, I, even from a young age, people start to be like, so self-conscious about whether or not they can draw well or I'm you know or, or like have a fixed idea about like I'm a person who can draw well I'm not I am an artist I am not and this is something where you have to be totally freed from that um, and that you can really just think about like what your mental picture is of a, of a place um, or a thing or a, you know a, a tattoo um, on your own body uh, and sort of think about what it is that you're actually trying to represent uh, instead of like when I think about drawing a house, like maybe I think about it in terms of volumes, like there is a, you know, uh, a rectangular shape here and this juts out here. Uh, but when you're thinking about it in your head and trying to put it to paper, um, it, it's more dimensional. It's more about space and it might be more about feeling or it might be more about perspective. Like, how are you looking at it? From what angle are you looking at it? So it seems like a very sort of simple, straightforward exercise. But I, for me, it like really opens people up. And I love the last, the last part of it, which is after, so you make the blindfolded version and then you make the unblindfolded version and then you compare the two. And absolutely every time I've done this or seen somebody else do it, the, the blindfolded drawing is better. Quinn, <laughs> what, how was it for you? I, well, so like the non-blindfolded version was more accurate like it was closer to what my tattoo actually looks like but I liked the blindfolded version better because I did feel like it was more expressive which is a word that's used in the assignment um like I just I just feel like the style the stylization that I created accidentally by not being able to see what I was doing actually created just a prettier version of what 
I look at. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I also find this exercise fascinating because I feel like it's an inversion of what most of the assignments in the book are, which is a lot of the assignments are about observing the world and thinking very deeply about how you're interacting with the world and interpreting the world around you, whereas this one is like literally like, keep your eyes shut and try to do something completely from your own brain, which is not very many things um, in this book. And I was wondering if you could speak more about uh, that idea and why this one is is a little different than the rest. Yeah, I think this one really represents the personality of the artist, Kim Dingle. And, um, and I, um, when I was thinking about artists to commission to create the new assignments for the book, um, she's really someone who I was excited to contact. And, you know, we I had set up a time to interview her. And we had agreed on, you know, when exactly it would be and I had confirmed the time with her. And then I called and she was she was in the middle of a Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is now still a good time? And she's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so like, but I like that attitude. And, you know, I think, um, personally, I tend to be attracted um, to cerebral art sometimes, or, you know, like carefully made art or carefully considered art. And with, uh, in many cases, like, and especially in this case, I really wanted to bring in the voice of an artist who um, was more experimental and a little bit more playful and freer. Um, and I think, you know, I think we, we underrate the importance of, of play and experimentation um, in art on this kind of a level. And I, I loved, I loved including her voice here uh, to fulfill like a, a gap that I sensed was missing. I also really like how you've included these direct quotes from her with this brief interview with Kim Dingle. One of my favorite things in the whole book is you ask, why should someone do this? What's the point? And she says, what's the point of having a new awareness you did not have before? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, I wanted to include this because every time she answered an email of mine, it was always in all caps. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, it, I don't think it, 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 in the way that it's designed in the book, it doesn't necessarily translate. But like in my head, I'm reading it like all caps. <laughs> oh, I love that. Because I, I, I did not realize that because of the formatting. But the idea of her responding all caps question to a question really completes a picture of this artist who's created this assignment. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the uh Art assignment topic that I wanted to talk about is uh, what you had mentioned it previously. So it's the last art assignment in the book. It is um, a shadow portrait that was given by uh, Lonnie Hawley. And uh, so you had mentioned him in your uh, introduction, your uh, art teacher from uh, when you were in school. And I really liked the quote that, uh, or, I, or I really like the passage that you had written about uh, just Lonnie uh, giving assignments in general where you had written um, so the idea was not for all of us to become artists like Holly or to make sculptures that look just like his it was to try on a way of working for a while to gain a momentary glimpse into the material and ideas that inspired him to make art and um, yeah I really think that you know it speaks to what 
uh, a lot of the assignments are like in the book and what we've spoken about, which is, um, you know, it's not about like learning how to draw properly. It's not about becoming like a super skilled artist in like technical quality. Um, it really is about just, yeah, like understanding a new way of working and maybe understanding someone else and exploring materials and ideas. So um, the other thing that this assignment reminded me of, like when I was reading through it, uh, I quickly, I thought about a couple things. So uh, Quinn and I on a previous podcast, we were talking about museums we like, and I talked about, I went to the National Portrait Gallery uh, one year in uh, London, England, and there was actually a portrait in there. Uh, so it's uh, by the artist Tim Noble. It's called Isabella Blow, and it actually it's like a it's like a mess of feathers on a stick. And when I first looked at it, I was like, "What is that?" And then. <laughs> uh, then I saw to the side, it, there was a light shining on it, and it actually cast the profile of someone's face on a wall. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, so the, the assignment itself, uh, so it, it is where you t- take a hanger and you make a self-portrait uh, or a profile of your own face. And again, like when I read that, it reminded me uh, of another thing we talked about on a previous podcast, which is uh, Ai Weiwei's p- profile of Marcel Duchamp, which is one of, like, I think one of his first uh, works that he did in the 80s, where he took a hanger and uh, formed Marcel Duchamp's uh, profile uh, his face in the hangar so you know um anyway i just came up with uh <laughs> precedence for you yeah. by the way. <laughs> thank you buddy <laughs> oh no problem <laughs> so anyway uh so anyway yeah it, it just it there's just so many connections uh, that you can draw from this. And also, it's just like such an interesting assignment to do. Um, so like one thing I was wondering was, um, like, was there any significance in doing a like self portrait, a self profile? Um, so like, w- was there a reason that we are asked to sculpt our own face instead of like someone else's face? Well, I think, you know, when I've... Um when I was talking to Lonnie about this exercise, um, you know, he, he proposed this as a self-portrait, um, exercise, but, you know, I also think that it's completely open to be interpreted any, any way you like, because I know when I did this, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to make a self-portrait. And I kind of looked at myself, my, my profile in the mirror and I had this wire and I started bending. And, you know, because I'm not, I'm not a masterful <laughs> wire bender, um, it, it was very, it, it's not easy to control. And to a certain extent, you kind of have to like see where it goes. Um, but I, but I liked that about it. And I liked that, you know, your work in my in my perspective is is a kind of self-portrait regardless of what the subject matter is you know it's it's a self-portrait in that you made it and you spent time with this material and it it is it is a part of you or it is somehow a reflection of you regardless of who who um who it depicts or whether it resembles you so 
I and I really I, I I decided not to hang anything from it, or at least I haven't yet. Um, and it's hanging in my office, uh, and I love that it's there. And I also like that um, I like that I could add to it, and I like that it's something that I see and I pass and. You know, like not not to get too um, <laughs> too deep, but like uh, it, it, like like our own selves, like we're always changing, we're always evolving, and I like that this is a bit open ended. Um, and another thing about this assignment in particular that I really appreciate is when you're reading the instructions, like the steps you it, it like it kind of keeps surprising you like okay <laughs> you you make a self portrait and then if you want you got to add to it okay but you're not done you've got to now hold it a few inches from a wall to take a picture <laughs> of the yeah. shadow um and then you have to hang it on your door and and uh he says every time you leave your house be the person you envisioned when you made it you know and there's so many um uh like I, I love the layers of this, that it's not, and it's, it, to me, it opens up different ways of the work existing, and it gives it a life beyond being made. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, like, oh, what do you do with all the art that you've made or the assignments that you've tried? And I'm like, I don't, you know, it's around, it's a, it's a part of your life. Like, sometimes <laughs> I throw it away, you know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I hang it on the wall and I see it. And it's a reminder of that artist, of the assignment, of that activity, of whatever the subject is. Um, and for me, um, I, I think it's really beautiful that Holly's assignment acknowledges the life of the work that it's not it's not just about the process it's not just about the making but it's about living with it too yeah and you can also give it as a gift to someone else that's right in terms of yeah in terms of the self-portrait aspects um i was wondering if this relates or if you had any thoughts um about you know the history of making self-portraits in art history yeah i mean i I decided, you know, not all of the assignments in the book have the history as your guide section. Um, and there is so much art history that I'm sure you you all are, are very much um, familiar with about self-portraiture and how how it has been interpreted through the years. Um, and I personally enjoy a portrait that's not a photographic likeness, you know, like I, I like, um, a, a self-portrait that is made from alternative materials or is, might be a little bit unexpected. Um, and I, I didn't, I purposefully wanted to end the book, like not by referencing back, (laughs) (laughs) um, just to like really sort of put you in the present moment and, and, you know, have you, have you, um, relate here, but I'm curious where there, um, besides the portrait of Marcel Duchamp, uh, Betty, like, are there, are there particular self-portraits or sort of alternative self-portraits that this made you think of? Yeah, in general, um, it, like it, one of the things that I, you know, I did think about a lot was uh, like the history of self-portraits in general, um, you know, that artists have made. Like I thought about like Van Gogh's self-portrait. And that's, of course, you know, like he's obviously known to like stylize his uh, work. That's, you know, it's not 
a photographic likeness of himself. Um, and then I actually like interestingly, like also thought about artists like, like maybe like Rembrandt, uh, or like uh, that, or artists that kind of uh, has like hidden themselves in, uh, in different artworks um, mm-hmm. that have other people in it. And so um, and it and it does make me think about like, for me, like when I see a self portrait of an artist, like it's, um, it's always uh like for me, I think it shows more than just like if they painted someone else, because um, like inevitably, I think you put more of your own, like whether it's emotions or history or, or, or like some something in yourself that's not just like a physical depiction into the self-portrait. So like that's why like I'm also personally super fascinated by self-portraits in general. Yeah. And then I guess just, you know, one last question. And of course, like I'm kind of referring to art history again. Um, like one, one thing, you know, in the assignment, one instruction in the assignment is to use objects that's like around you. Like don't go out and buy something, uh, especially, you know, don't go out and spend so much money. Um, and then, and of course, I thought about the Iowa Way example. So I was wondering, you know, like uh, if you can speak about just kind of uh, how, uh, the history of like ready-mades um, and its significance um, to this particular assignment. I mean, I think that the way that Holly um, has always made his work is by being a kind of um, improviser and scavenger, um, <laughs> you know, and I think that we tend to forget that art making has always been a kind of scavenging, you know, um, the earliest paints were charcoal sticks and pigments found in nature. Um, and I think it's like, when I think about an art supply store, like I love art supply stores. I could spend all day there. I find them very inspiring. I could sink thousands of dollars um, into any one visit. But I also think that it's not really where art comes from. Art evolved to be painting on, you know, canvas with stretcher bars and very particular kinds of pigments and application techniques and these weird brushes with, you know, made of hair. And, you know, it's really odd when you think about it. And for me, this Lonnie's assignment sort of gets back to what art really is, which is using what you have around you and making interesting, intriguing, thought-provoking, fulfilling, um, uh, sometimes beautiful objects from what you have around you. Um, So that is something that I hoped... um, all the assignments would be, uh, and and they are to a certain extent, even if they involve, or maybe especially if they involve technology, like technology is a part of our lives now. Um, so like working with what's around you doesn't necessarily mean, just mean like leaves and sticks outside or the wire coat hangers in your closet. It's also your phone. Um, it's also the way, you know, the ways that you make things throughout throughout your day. Um, It's using kitchen implements, um, which you might make into a musical instrument if you were doing (laughs) Find Your Band. So there is there is that art history of, um, you know, the ready-made and and Duchamp in the early 20th century, bringing non-art objects into the gallery. But I would say that 
the the real history is reaching back much much farther from before art was made into this highly codified um, uh, phenomenon where you went to school and studied very particular ways of making. Um, to me, the, this assignment is uh, about the real art history, which is humans finding ways to manipulate the materials and tools around them to make, uh, to make interesting objects. I think that is a perfect place to end for the day. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing some behind the scenes and about this book and your thoughts on art. And also thank you for all of your work in helping to make art more accessible to all people. Well, thank you guys. This was really a wonderful, um, a wonderful way to, to start my day. And I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much. Hope everybody out there has the chance to check out You Are an Artist, a wonderful book. We barely scratched the surface on all of the assignments that are in here, and it's a great all the time. I think it's especially great if you're looking for more activities right now or if you want more activities um, to share with your homeschooling your kids and stuff like that, as well as the accompanying YouTube channel, The Art Assignment. If you want to see more from us, you can read our show notes at relay.fm slash pictorial or follow us on Twitter, Instagram at pictorialpod, where there'll be images of some of the stuff we talked about today. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, I'm at AspiringRobotFM. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'm at ArticulationsV. Uh, and I also have a YouTube channel, Articulations. Um, Sarah, where can we find you on the Twitter, social media? <laughs> you can find me by searching The Art Assignment or you can go to theartassignment.com. Um, and uh, of course, our channel, The Art Assignment on YouTube. Great. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening, art enthusiasts.